Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome to The Spiritual Forum, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. I want to give a big shout out to our donors, which I've been doing recently. So today I'd like to recognize Mark. Mark was a guest on the Spiritual Forum podcast and he donated afterwards. I'm just really grateful for his support of the podcast and anybody else out there who's listening. You can support the podcast by listening, rating, reviewing, donating, sharing, all that good stuff to keep this voice of hope and awakening and inspiration on the planet alive. I also want to remind you of the Whole Planet Spirituality Retreat that I am leading October 19th through 22nd at Unity Village in Missouri. You can read all about that at thespiritualform.org slash retreat. And if you want to get regular updates about the retreat and what's going on and who's presenting and all that, you can sign up on that page as well for, I've been sending out like weekly newsletters for anybody who's interested in the retreat. All right, that's about it. Let me introduce my guest. Marae Hieronymus is a return guest on the Spiritual Forum podcast. My first episode with her was number 170, The Choice Between Two Paths, Nature or Transhumanism. That was almost exactly a year ago. I really enjoy having conversations with Marae because she's willing to discuss the realities that we're facing in today's world, and she brings a deeply grounded spiritual perspective to so many important topics. As background, Marae had an unconventional upbringing on a commune in Maryland where she spent her childhood surrounded by mystical teachings, a reverence for the earth, and a love for dance. An artist and a dancer by training, she'd successfully kept traditional societal roles and values at arm's length, instead listening to the call of her soul to live a creative life. She's a mother, a dancer, a teacher, and an author. Her books are Path to Remembrance, Vision for a New Earth, Systems of Indoctrination, and the Wild Rose of the Soul, and Majesty of the Wild, Writings on Freedom. I'm sure that just kind of scrapes the surface of you, Marie, but welcome. Really happy to have you again. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. I, I so enjoyed our conversation last year and everything that it kind of brought to the forefront, and I'm looking forward to diving in again with you and and talking about where we are today. Yeah, me too. It was really interesting that I just noticed today, it's been almost exactly, like exactly to the date, plus or minus a couple of days, a year. And like I mentioned in the introduction, I love finding people who are, are, are bold enough to talk about like what's really happening on the planet right now. And, and also have a spiritual lens because there's a lot of people out there talking about what's going on, but they're kind of missing that spiritual grounding. And there's a lot of people out there, you know, with the spiritual, but they're kind of not able to see, you know, some of the realities that I know I can't see all of them, but the ones that, that, that keep showing themselves, it's like, wow, this is where we are. And it's a very pivotal time to be on the planet as we discussed last year. I, I kind of be interested in what do you think? Where do you think we are relative to a year ago when we were talking about transhumanism or nature, those two paths? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting um, being sort of speaking about these things because the the as long as we move as we're moving forward, what I'm noticing is that everything that we've been talking about is really coming to pass. And and it it almost feels like when I think about a year ago, I felt like we were tiptoeing around some things that it understanding that it's hard for people perhaps to conceptualize the fact that we're on this cusp, but really from last year to this year, it has been so it has been laid out before us and the conversations that we were having around two paths before us, nature versus the machine, the dawn of artificial intelligence, and, and transhumanism, you know, everything has come to pass and so much more. And we're really in a place where 
you know, we have to, I think, move to begin to speak about these things in really compassionate, but very bold ways where we, you know, where we, we take hold of what's happening and begin to have conversations that are, that are deeper than just the superficial layer and, and shine deeper light on, on what's really happening energetically as well from, from these, these deeper kind of spiritual perspectives. So I think so much of what we're really looking at in my perspective is the reemergence actually of the sacred feminine as a force. And as this is simultaneously happening, the, the attempted squashing of that in a very, very methodical, clear, profound way, sort of a, 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 a misogyny so deep that it's, it's really unbelievable to bear witness to. Uh, and what that has to do with transhumanism really is that, you know, the divine feminine, she is that, that portal through the worlds and she is nature's sort of like this incredible system that all women, natural born women, biological women have where we, we rebring down souls into this world through our womb. And we move human beings into this planet. That's, that's our, you know, from a biological evolutionary perspective, what we've been doing. And, and, and so what I see is happening is really an attack on that natural process through transhumanism, the erasure of the high sacred feminine, and that which was, was exiled, put into exile thousands of years ago. And I don't see it as a, I don't see it as, oh, men are evil, women are good kind of thing. I see that really what we're looking at is about that the polarity has been out of balance. And this incredible imbalance has created what we are living through. The, the narcissistic belief that we are, we can not only tamper with life, but that we can create life, that we are God. And that's what we're, that's really what we're looking at this sort of psychological state of mind that many people have bought into that we're, we are now actually God. Maybe I'll just stop there. Yeah. And I, I think we should probably identify some of this because I, I, I do know that some people still are like, what are we talking about? <laughs> and, and I do think that this, this, we are gods, it's, it's in medicalization. It's in that your, your body is insufficient as it is, but we can help that. We can help all of your processes through all of our medicines and all of our injections and all of our surgeries and, and everything that we can we can modify whatever you want, that we can create that. I think, I think that's where a lot of the we are God is. So artificial wombs also, I mean, we're, we are in, on the, the brink of this sort of, I mean, this is the movement into a whole new psychology and mythical structure that they're trying to create for us. And some people are taking it and saying, yeah, I want to have a surgery and modify my body. And I can play God and shift my DNA and, you know, and other people are saying, wait a second, I don't want to do that. And I don't want to take that path. So, yeah, the, the, I, I want to put that on the side for a second, because when you mentioned artificial wombs, that, that's terrifying terrifying to me. I mean, when I see images of artificial wounds and, you know, they've been in futuristic movies. I know that's, you know, preparing us, <laughs> preparing us for, with the predictor programming, but, but the, the idea, you know, I think back about how the, the baby was taken from the breast in the sixties. I was one of those babies where mothers were convinced that, oh gosh, you don't want to breastfeed. You want to be free from all of that. And so we have this, this glass bottle that will free you up so you can do what you want and somebody else can feed the baby. That was one of the first 
you know, I think that was one of the first steps towards the artificial wound, taking the baby away from the mother. And I know in our last episode, I think we talked about medicalized births. I'm not sure, but that's kind of on the forefront of my mind too. But taking birth away from the home and the family and the the mothers and the divine feminine and the women and the ants and everybody surrounding and, you know, the chanting and just making it a sacred event and putting into a, a medicalized, sterilized system. I think that's another step towards it. And and then now with all this stuff about we can we can do what we what you want with your bodies it now it's going to we you don't even have to be pregnant you know pregnancy is kind of a hassle isn't it i mean you want to be free from that too and i think people will buy into that i don't, i don't know that everybody will obviously but some people will go you know what i mean like i was at a wedding two nights ago and i was surprised at conversations i had with young women about how you know, concerned they are about pregnancy and giving birth and all these horror stories they heard. And it's like, wow, I don't remember ever being surrounded by horror stories about birth. But I think this new generation is. That may just be a limited amount of data of the people I'm exposed to, but I hear that a lot. And anyway, I guess I'm just talking through the steps I've seen that we've gone through that's naturally leading to this birthing outside the womb. Do you see anything different or something that I haven't seen? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think all of those are, we, you know, we're really moving. It's, this is a longer term as we understand a uh, process that has been happening where we have been extracted from our wisdom lineages. And this is what I see as the, the deepest sort of concern and why it is that we are really when we, because when we are extracted from these lineages, then we are sort of set adrift in my feeling, or we are psycho spiritually not allowed to anchor anywhere. And so for sure, in my feeling, I, I see this process that's happened over decades and even centuries further back of, of, of taking away these lineages that have been passed down for, for millennia. And women have been the holder, you know, just as we are, we are the portal of, through which every human being enters the world. We have also been the holder of much sacred knowledge, you know, and from healing knowledge to as well as ceremonial knowledge and women have very special i believe very special natural capabilities that have been that have been that are evolutionarily part of our development the the sort of the way that we have developed our sort of intuitive and empathic capabilities because of the functions that we've played. And so the biology and our, our nature are intertwined. And that's what's such an interesting thing in this time is that we're watching people essentially try and extract our sacred biology from the, the natural evolutionary process. And in the, with that extraction, they're taking they are obliterating these wisdom lineages which have kept us anchored for thousands of years. And so, and I see it very much, I think as you do, as a as a as an agenda, as something that has been set upon us. But I always say with, with you know with these kinds of things, it actually doesn't matter whether you believe people are trying to do this to us or not, whether you believe there is some kind of elite guard that is, you know, infusing propaganda into the media. Because when we, when you look at what's happening, this is just what's happening. You know, it's just what's happening. It's, it's, you know, we're, we have obliterated, you know, we're no longer to, allowed to say that, you know, that biology plays a sacred function in life. You know, we have people denying biology and which I think is very significant because in my 
view as a woman, as a dancer, someone who is who has spent my life working with the body and its sacred nature. That is the that is the umbrella of my my work, the sacred body, the way that the body is actually can be infused with the the divine that we are emanations from spirit from the spirit world that our biology is sacred that our that our human form is sacred and that you know people are sort of throwing around surgery the ways that you know surgery is a really big deal i have i have had surgery and it can destroy you and it is not something that is you know it's not nothing so i think it and so what I'm saying is that it doesn't matter whether you believe someone is, there's this an agenda that's happening or not. It's just happening before our, our very eyes, whether you believe it's intentional or not. I think that's a really good point because people just do, a lot of people just don't, once you mentioned that there are some, there's some elite agenda that a lot of people just write that off as conspiracy theory and you don't know that. Where are they? Who are they? <laughs> I always get the who are they as if as if you have to, to actually see something to know that there's something behind it. I, I I think we are where we are. We are creating this reality. We're participants in this reality. And in some way, our, our collective consciousness is agreeing to this reality that we are in. And and you know we we need to kind of be very aware, awake of of these deeper meanings. I, I love that you're, I, I really think that what you said is when we're kind of splitting ourselves off from our nature, that we are set adrift, that there's something about, it's, it's almost like the, the soul is outside the body or something, that there's, that we're set adrift. And, and when you're set adrift, I mean, I'm thinking in my own mind as I'm talking, well, how does that feel? Like, if I was anchored and, and had some sort of solid footing and suddenly I'm set adrift, whether I'm a kite or, a, you know, in a canoe, there, there's a sense of just kind of a complete loss of bearings, probably fear. You're looking outside to figure out where, where, where can I find an anchor? And if it's not that anchor, the divine anchor of the soul, you'll be looking for anchors out there in in, in society, you'll be looking for people to tell you what to do or how to do, how to get to safety or how to feel that, that anchor again. And, and I think we're seeing that a lot too, that people, uh, we're, we're losing our, the, the divine anchor, which is a good anchor because anchors, anchors can also have a bad connotation that you're anchored down and you can't move. I think we're talking more about just a, a, a solid foundation and a, the connection to that, that divine. And if, if you sever yourself from that and you're adrift, then anything goes and it's a very, very unsettled, unsafe feeling life. Just moving on this sort of that image of a kite, my, my sense, my feeling is that so many people, yes, they are on disanchored and it's like, that string is sort of should be should be pulsing into us the wisdom that is our birthright that each of us is actually personally able through the divine instru instrument of the body to tap into the, the, these wisdom lineages to tap into the innate wisdom of the body to tap into the what's floating through the the ethers that we have that capability that that's our natural born state and when there it when there's this sort of rupture where we are no longer tethered where the soul is not fully embodied how can we even begin to sense what's actually really happening for example you know when we look back into these last years and those of us who felt very clearly that you know whether you had information or not that something is very wrong with these injections 
that there is that, you know, that it just, there, it didn't sit right. And I knew a few people that they didn't want to look into the, the, the information, but they just felt uneasy. And to me, that is the, that is the sort of intuitive uh, wisdom that each of us has, has access to when we are connected because our body is that instrument. And, and again, that kite image, the divine, that wisdom should be pulsing through us, through our breath, through our blood, through our bones. That's how it operates when we are healthy, when we are functioning. And we don't need an external, tell me, is this, you know, is this injection going to be okay? We can sense a little deeper. And it was, it was also amazing and, and really sad, actually, t- to watch so many people not, ha- not feel that, not feel, okay, even if they're not going to look into the injection, that something is wrong. Just, just the fact that these aren't, they haven't gone through rigorous safety testing for years, you know, and then there was no questioning allowed, no questioning allowed. And then those of us who said, wait a second, we need to question this. And, and I've looked at the research, I've looked at the data, and I know that they don't stop in transmission. I know that it doesn't stop infection. And to say that, which is the reality, which was the truth, which was what, what the data showed us. And then for people to say, you know, for, for really for people to be enraged. That, that that is that I'm even saying that, but that anyone who had the, the gall to say that, which was the truth. And so really, you know, the, the, this is what we're looking at is mass swaths of people just not able to connect into that, that intuitive experience that would have given them the information. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. Or at least have some caution at a minimum, it's unknown. You know, it's at, at a minimum, it was that, you know, I, I read the studies. I, I, I knew early on it didn't stop transmission and all that, you know, if it, assuming all that virology stuff is true. I, right. I, I knew that all along. And, and I would say the same thing, you know, it, and, and yeah, people would, would, would say I, I, I was crazy. It was like, I read it. It wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't succumbing to some sort of theory. I, I read it. So what, so this is really interesting. I think, I think this is an interesting indication that this, that this cutoff from the divine cuts us off from our intuition. Like we, people don't know that they have it. I, I think I, I have to admit myself, I, I don't, I don't have I have a good, strong intuition about a lot of things and other things. I can look at other people. Possibly you might be somebody who is more deeply intuitive than I am. And I know that it's not about skill. I know that it's, you know, about access and about, about being connected and embodied. I, I, I can sense that I, I could definitely have more intuition, access more intuition than I do now. And I can sense that I probably had more intuition as a child, maybe, than I did as I was conditioned through, you know, all the patterning and everything that I learned from culture. And I can also see that some people are just 100% cut off, like they have no sense of an inner voice at all. So everything is, is listening to the experts. So what, what is our remedy then? If, if what is our antidote? I, I think we can only do what we can do. I think going back to what I said before, my sense is that what we're looking at is, you know, a culmination of really thousands of years of imbalance. And what is happening on a larger level is that as it's like as the imbalance becomes so extreme I don't want to say the sides, but the, the, you know, the truth becomes more and more, more, more clear because it's so far away from the reality that is being projected here and now. And I, and I feel that this, this deep imbalance, which really is an imbalance of 
polarity and balance of we say masculine and feminine, but really, you know, it can be spoken about in so many different ways, you know, whether it's dark and light or, or, you know, the seer and the seen, Shiva and Shakti, yin and yang, the left and the right, all of these different expressions. And there, this imbalance has, has moved to such an extreme that what we're seeing is that is the, the end game of that extreme. The end game of the extreme is moving completely away from the Divine Mother, allowing her to remain in exile, which isn't ha- going to happen because she's coming back. That is what I feel, is that this is really the time of her return, is that there are so many people awakening to her, that sort of the, the extraction of her, and that what we're seeing play out culturally is, is an endgame of that extraction, is the movement into transhumanism. We don't even need women anymore. We don't need women. We, we can use an artificial womb. And, and we, you know, we can be a better woman, you know, made, made a man can be actually a better woman than a woman, you know, is what the culture is saying, you know, but the remedy again is, I think is in her great return is in, is through her understanding that what, what is as the transhuman world is being born she is also being reborn because we so many can now see more and more. And, and I think it will only grow that we're really moving into incredibly dangerous territory. And do you really want to be on that path? Do you really want to be on that path into the, the transhuman sort of untethering of man to nature, of the human being to nature? A lot of the studying that I've done is in the Vedic traditions, you know, and, and she is nature. Nature is her in that tradition. It's the, it's everything, you know, that she is the earth. She is the earth body. And we all, of course, have this in, in us, both male and female. We're all different different makes makeups of this this sacred polarity the the ingredients are you know different in every human being and it expresses itself differently in every human being you talk about the exile of the divine mother and i i'm thinking you know the other ways that we are so out of balance with the masculine and feminine is is you know the deforestation the extinction of species you know the way we treat animals, the way we put poison on all of our foods and plants. And those are other examples of, of this minimization of the feminine, that, the, that there's this, it's kind of the same as the, the I am God. <laughs> I can form this earth and I can, I can decide who lives and who dies. And the death and destruction of all of these animals and species means nothing to me. You know, I, I am, I am God. So it, it's happening there as well as biologically with the body and science and medicine. So you think she's, you, you think that we are, we've created this imbalance in the masculine feminine polarity that's so great that like she's going to come back with a vengeance. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think it's, <laughs> yeah, sure. There, you know, I'm sure there's, I have, I have a lot more Kali energy than I realized, you know, years ago, which is the, she's the, you know, the destroyer. She is, I, I feel she, you know, now is the time of her, of her return. Uh-huh. And that not only is it through that, you know, that sort of destroyer archetype, but also through just the explosion of, of, love and compassion that is really also our birthright and is the you know is the the highway into our natural ascension process the that that is to say that the love that we all can experience in the heart and that the divine mother is the the 
in the great archetype of she is the one who sacrifices herself for for the absolute love of her children you know and that's that fierce love which every mother has if it's buried you know even if it's buried deep inside of them you know you cannot there is some part of you when you have a child and you give birth and you feel that it's it's a love that is so profound that it, it, it is, you know, a reflection of, of the highest form of love. So I feel that that is also returning as well as we bear witness, as we as mothers also bear witness to an attack on children that we have, that has never, I don't think has ever been seen to this degree in the face of, on the face of our planet, you know, in terms of, putting children on highly destructive medications for life, you know, whether it be, you know, these for, you know, to their, the medicalization of their psych, you know, psychiatric state and these, and these SSRs, which are wreaking havoc, you know, and not to mention, you know, putting children on hormone blockers or having surgery. You know, or of course, you can also go down the route of the vaccines and and the, and what the what many of the vaccines have brought to the forefront with this generation of children since nineteen nineteen eighty seven when the floodgates were opened and they and the government said, oh, you know, we will no longer keep these companies liable for the damage they do. They were doing too much damage on children and. You know, there were very few vaccines on the schedule then. And now we have, you know, I think most recently I saw if you include the, the, the new mRNA injections, which many people are, there's well over 100 vaccines now for children up until 18 years of, of age. And we have an epidemic happening of illness that is, that is, the data links it. It links these injections. These chemicals pass the blood-brain barrier. They move into the brain. People are, you know, living in a toxic soup. And it's, it's, the vaccines are just one element. Our food supply, you know, children are, are we're eating, you know, glyphosate. You know, the way that we have to guard ourselves these days from every you know, every avenue, whether it be from the water, you know, the fluoride in the water, the food supply, the, you know, the baby formula, you know, the, every avenue, the, 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 the drugs. So when we like look at this great poisoning, really, it's, it's, it becomes when you really understand what's happening, when you look at the data, when you do the research and you just feel in your gut, wow, what is happening? It's, it's for, for those of us, you know, who, who sense into that, it's, there's a cry that you feel that's so deep inside of your body, that this is just absolutely insane, that we are putting our children in harm's way to, to levels, to degrees that we've never, never done before. And it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you position this as a war on children I think that's, you know, there's a war on children. And I think you also said there's like a war on women or the feminine. I, I do want to point out, because I do know that it, it might be important for people to know that in, in terms of politics, I don't know where you are politically. I, I know I, I've left the left and the right. It's like, <laughs> they don't really mean much to me anymore. It, it, there's, there's something that kind of transcends all of that. Like being human and being connected to humanity and and these these wars that we have between left and the right seem very very contrived and petty but your your background I think it might be worth sharing a little bit about what your political background is because I think a lot of people assume that people with these kind of perceptions of reality are crazy right wingers and that is not you at all well yeah i I mean I was a, a left wing <laughs> I was 
you know, considered myself progressive for many years. And I, I agree the, you know, the, the political field is really troubling, but I, I will say that when I became, when I did do vaccine research, when I was, you know, pregnant and when my child was first born, I, I was really horrified by what I found and horrified enough to kind of feel and, un, and I understood, you know, both left and right are pushing these. They're all, they have, you know, pharma has everybody in the, in the back pocket. And I don't know why that that's so hard for people to understand. It, you know, it's, it, that's just, it's a simple reality. And I know it's hard to understand, but we have to grow up now. And we have to, you know, it, because it's become, you know, a life or death situation. We have to be able to look at what's happening and, and begin to say, okay, well, these people are tied to these interests. These interests are, are invested in themselves and making money. And I was really particularly horrified by the Democratic establishment because they really are actually, you know, I mean, I'm not a Republican by any stretch, but they really were, are the ones that are pushing these mandates. And I, I just could no longer, that alone, I could no longer um, align myself in any way. So I really left that party. And the way that I feel about politics now is I will vote for anyone who upholds freedom and sovereignty. Because I feel like that is the most important thing right now. And, you know, it could be all leading to the same crumbling of our world. But at least if there are some measures in place that, you know, respect our Constitution, which is, you know, really be under attack right now, that can kind of act as a dam to stop the flood of what what we see politically happening. We really have to, we have to look at the way that, that the media has really, really cast a shadow upon anyone who questions the, the, the dogma of the day. And unfortunately, what I've seen now personally over and over again is that the left is really it's been absolutely horrifying to me to watch the fascism in the left rise. And, it, and I see it as, you know, as people unwilling to question authority, which, you know, we, that used to be par for the course for the, for the liberal, you know, for the, the classical liberal, you know, and we, and the classical liberal really, we, we felt freedom was an important thing, sovereignty, the constitution, all of these things. In leaving the left, I will say I have experienced such hatred, such vehemence, such backlash. It's people making, you know, assumptions of, you know, my political stance, you know, oh, that I'm a brainwashed QAnon. It's, it's fascinating, actually, when in fact what I see is that this is a, essentially a spell that's been cast upon Many people, the left is the, the first in line, and it's very similar, the first in line to for the propaganda. They they will listen, and you know, and be the first to to defend the government and and corporations, corporation, which is intertwined with the corporations. It's it's really and war <laughs> and war. That has been unbelievable. To watch, you know, so it's like the war, the, you know, the whole sort of the taking away of free speech and the pro censorship, the, yeah, the, you know, the, the mandating, you know, you can no longer decide what, what goes into your body. You have no sovereignty, you know, it's all for the state, you know, it, it's very scary. Mm -hmm. very scary. And the, and the complete, whether it comes from the left or the right, whoever is intolerant of even a, another view being raised or other facts coming forward or another perception of reality or another experience being shared, it, it, it all, we all have to be able to come to the table. And I think that's part of that comes back to the divine mother and the love. 
And I, I think what is happening, I, I think what's happening is perhaps there is a divide that's happening that is so great that at some point it just can't sustain itself because ultimately love is who we are. Love is, is the power. And, and that, I mean, I've seen this happen in families that have, were divided, you know, in the COVID years and some are still very divided and others have come together in spite of all of that. And I think that having to reach across the aisle, having to reach out to anyone who has a different experience of reality, a different view, different everything, and, and not to annihilate them with ad hominem, you know, calling them something and not being willing to listen because I've already negated you as a person because you're in that group. You know, that's like racism, in which we're all against. So it's, it's no different than racism if you're going to assume that you're in a certain group and that whole group is bad. So I- anybody who's willing to open up their arms, open up their hearts, and reach out and be loving, you know, bless everybody, find, find ways to connect. To me, that's what I have hope for. Why not, why don't we pivot to that? What do you, what do you have hope for? Do you, how do you see this all playing out and, and where, what do you imagine and, and where's your hope? Yeah, I, I think, I think that this is, this is going to be a longer game and Mm -hmm. that there are, it's, there really is a breakage. I do think that is true. There is a, a schism, a divide. And I, I don't know in this form, I'm curious and interested to watch and to see, I don't know in this current form and state that we're in, if that divide can be reached now. I'm not saying that it can't ever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that I, I do feel that there is, there's such a schism and people have so demonized each other. And so it will be interesting to see. I, I do feel, where's the hope? I feel that the hope is really in our continued return to ourselves and in each of us taking deeper responsibility and sovereignty over our own experiences and really doing the, the deeper shadow work that is necessary to digest what's, what's occurring in our individual worlds and then to be even begin to be able to understand what's occurring externally. And I feel that that is a natural process, a natural human process. And I believe in the human spirit, but I also feel that that it's a long game and it's going to take a lot of of time. And I think given where we are now, and what we're watching, what we're watching is so challenging. There's so much horror. There's so much death. And that, that I think that we're going to be going through this, honestly, for a little while. And that for those, for all of us, you know, but those of us who want to not right or left, but want to, to root deeper in this time, the rooting is in our own hearts. And I, I, I think that that is an, a natural process that happens through suffering. Actually, suffering is a great transmuter, and it just takes time. So it's like everyone is on their own course and their own path, and that at some point, I think for each of us, the suffering becomes so great that then we come into the realization that the only the, the only way to go to resolve this suffering is to move into the stream, the divine stream. It's to move back into the wisdom lineages that we are born out of, that are actually held within our bodies, that we have all capability to plug into when we slow down, when we listen and when we feel, when we take the time to feel. And this whole culture is about taking us out of ourselves, out of our experience, out of our 
our intuition out of our sensation, out of our bodies, you know, and I do believe that it is an intentional extraction that they are pulling people out of body and the people are adrift and it is a horror to watch. I mean, it's just, and it's, it, it is a horror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and of course we know some people don't see any of it at all. <laughs> and so, and I, and I know, you know, if, if we were to make the analogy of like the matrix, the movies, I mean, I have friends who would, would rather be in the matrix than out of the matrix because the realization of being yeah. out of the matrix is so difficult. So, so challenging yeah. it, it, there's horror in that as well. There's, there's horror in that. And That's so the suffering was that I yes. think people yeah. are so desperately trying to escape their suffering and, and that once you hit the rock bottom, and I think that this happens also, I mean, I, I, I happen to believe in, um, you know, that we don't all, only live once that we're a soul traveling through. So in my perspective, and it may not be yours or doesn't have to be anyone else's, but, but that, you know, this is a longer journey for each of us. And, Mm -hmm. and that rock bottom, I mean, I think that people can stay in that, in the matrix, whatever you want to call it in the rock bottom or, or right below, because when you're in the matrix, you're right at almost at the rock bottom. Because you are trapped in a mind state that is keeping you afloat over the absolute horror that's right underneath it. And if you were to break through that that layer, you would hit into that that enormous grief, that enormous suffering, and and sort of like almost sort of a a disbelief of this is, this is what this, this is what this world is right here, right, right now. You know, this is what this play, this world is, you know, has been sort of manipulated for our, for our, our view. And it's, this is not the only world that exists. We have to begin to go down into that suffering and then personally desire to ascend. Mm-hmm. And to say, I know, I feel there is something greater than this hell realm because <laughs> it's that's the hell realm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of bringing in the traditional Christianity, I suppose, the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are my rod and my staff. You comfort me. You know, that's that's the journey. I'm, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the deepest, darkest most horrific places in consciousness. And I do not fear because I am anchored in the divine. And, and I think that's where our hope is. And I agree with you. It's a long game. It's a long game. It's not something that we're going to solve in the next few minutes or months or years. So, well, I, I want to wrap up. I, I want to give you a couple minutes to share. I know you've, you've just created some beautiful embodiment video. I, I know that you have, you, you, provide some embodiment education, I think, for people. I just want to give you a couple minutes to, to share, you know, what you're offering. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I just want to respond quickly to the, the prayer. I mean, what a powerful, powerful prayer, Psalm, for, for leading us out of such darkness. And mm-hmm. I, I just want to say that it also is in these darkest hours, really, the Kali Yuga, whatever you want to call it, and that we are, that the light is so clear. And that when you really, when one really takes the, 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 when one really opens the eyes and says, okay, I see what's going on now, and I am obliterated, then we call for, for help, you know, for, for that connection, that plug in, and we work to get that, that to ascend that that ladder to get out because we can each do that i I love that that prayer thank you yeah so yeah i'm i'm excited that i just finished a a editing a a practice i call movement medicine which is something i've been teaching for a very long time and it's just a it's just a, a conglomeration of different practices of embodiment practices i pull from 
somatic exploration and my dance training. I pull from Ayurveda and yoga, the languaging. I pull from developmental movement. And I kind of combine these different experiences into a, a joyous expression of movement where we can use movement as a healing, as a healing sort of tool. And we can tap into our, our, that divine presence that is pulsing through our veins. And so I just finally edited my movement medicine practice, which we, we shot over a year ago and I move very slowly these days. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to share that. And I think I'll make that available on Vimeo. And then I teach, I took a good bit of time off this summer. I am a mother to a young child. So I was with him largely this summer. And then I'll start back teaching in the fall in September. And I teach one to two times a week, the movement medicine and a yoga and somatic alchemy practice. And, and that I teach through my Patreon And is that something people have to be present for, or is it something they can do online with you? Um, Yes, it's an online, it's an online Patreon membership where I teach one to two times a week, depending about four or five times a month. And, and there, and there are a lot, there are Zoom classes and, and then many of the people actually don't attend the class. And then, and then I just send them the class. The recordings. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, so people can practice anywhere at any time. So those are two okay. connect with the work that I've been been doing. Great. Well, we'll make sure I have those links to your Vimeo if that's available for public consumption and also your courses and everything else that you're up to. And and I'll probably have you back on a year from now and we'll go, how have things changed? <laughs> how have things changed? <laughs> how are we doing? We'll, we'll see. We'll see where things are going. Thank you, Marie, so much for being with me and for speaking so candidly. I know it's very hard in this world to be expressing what's not the mainstream view. And, uh, but I think that we've learned a lot about, you know, being untethered or being adrift and the anchor that, you know, we're the anchor of our own God center and intuition and all. I think we've given people a lot of food for thought there. So I really appreciate your being with me today. Thank you so much for having me again. I really appreciate these conversations and having the opportunity to, to speak, you know, my heart and mind and share in sort of an evolving dialogue around our current time. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And thank you listeners for hanging in there. And I know you've been blessed by this conversation and I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being.